bundle of joy is a Christmas present sent from God. <laughs> She's our baby now. Huh? You know what sounds a lot weirder? The fact we have a crying baby in here. I'm not saying you're wrong, but what can we do about it? Find her parents. You want to find her parents? You're trying to play house when we're three good-for-nothing bums who can't even look after ourselves. Everything we can do. We're bums, not action movie stars. All right, let's ring in the new year by taking out the trash. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna fit. Yeah, it's a Christmas miracle. And welcome everyone to Anime Splaining. And get your knives, because we're gonna cut up this Christmas hen. It is episode number 10. That's the one you're part of? <laughs> you were real confident about that. Uh, That's a Christmas hen. Well, I guess they have chicken. We don't even have one. We do Christmas ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but ham doesn't rhyme with 10. <laughs> I like ham and 10, though. I'd be down with it. Let's go edit all of this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power of the edit to seem funny. Is <laughs> 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 a womp-womp noise? Is ready. Someone yep. was, he was attempting to do the womp-womp noise, and I went, <laughs> <laughs> which is somehow better. <laughs> oh, it's not coming through for some reason, then. It should be. I actually hooked up a soundboard for this. <laughs> Why do you have a soundboard? For this. I was <laughs> I literally just said that, Tony. You should listen. Oh, this is going to be a special episode. So anyway, in true Christmas fashion, we are recording before Thanksgiving to <laughs> talk about Tokyo Godfathers and our return to Satoshi Kone that we previously watched Perfect Blue. Not a lot of people liked Perfect Blue. So... Marlon, what did you think of Tokyo Godfathers? I really liked this one. It was really heartwarming. It he, I feel like Satoshi Khan finally managed to find a balance where he could be real, but not not in an exploitative and creepy way. And that's really cool. This is it's almost like listening to Bob Saget tell a PG joke. Watching this, it's it's really heartwarming. And welcome to Anime Splendid, the only place you'll hear Satoshi Kon ever compared to Bob Saget. <laughs> well, that's the perfect blue, yeah. There, there is still a level of cynicism, I think, that goes through mm -hmm. Tokyo Godfathers a bit. But, Tina, before we get to Joey, what did you think of Tokyo Godfathers? Because we watched this just before you wanted to go to sleep. And it was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a movie. There was too much baby crying. You made me watch it after a long day of work. And my brain was not in to watching a movie, so I don't have very many thoughts about it. I just, I don't know. You just hate that crying baby. Ugh, so much <laughs> crying baby. And all I want to do is that you identify with the mom. Yes. <laughs> Pretty <Damn>. much. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> make it stop. So Never Joey, make what? me watch a movie on the, on a weeknight. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is your own fault. So, Joey, what did you think of Tokyo Godfathers? Did you like it more than Perfect Blue? I did like it more than Perfect Blue. Um, I would say it, it felt like... I know where they're trying to go. It felt like just a 
like a series of random events put together. It felt like um, like that movie Sliding Doors or like Serendipity. Just like ah. a collection of random events just kind of brought together and they're brought together by these common factors for this this reason we don't know of that we find out in the end. Just in this in this case it turns out to be miraculous reasons. Yeah, I saw it as a very literal miracle baby that wherever the yeah. baby went, miracles happened. Like the Jesus allegory was very on the nose. They leaned hard into it. <laughs> I get yeah. it. Three wise men, baby. Got it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So basic plot structure of the movie is you have three homeless people in Gein, Hana, and Miyuki who find a baby in a pile of trash, decide that, uh, or at least Hannah decides that before they take the baby to the police, they're going to take care of him for a night. And then general hijinks ensue. Satoshi Kon said that he wanted a to make a movie where a bunch of random events culminate into a miraculous event. He seemed to do that. He also wanted to make a movie where the city itself seemed to be a sort of guardian, which I don't think really comes through. Aside from, if you look in the background, there's a whole bunch of creepy building faces in the in the background. <laughs> I didn't notice until you pointed out to like the very last scene, like the air conditioner. I was like, I did not see that at all. Oh, now I got to rewatch it. <laughs> I want to point. I want to see these now. I'm glad I purchased it. I don't see the city as a guardian. I wouldn't know how. That would be very tough to pull off. Because in theory, if the city was a guardian then nobody would find the baby and the baby would still be fine. Now I get the city as a villain, like a, like a movie seven, where the city is just depicted as another villain. I think that's a lot easier to pull off than the city is a good guy. The city produces your wife's head in a box. Yeah, yep. and I, I don't know if the interview that I read from that was a mistranslation, because alongside that interview, he talks about how he wanted to have main characters that were affluent when the city was affluent, and now they are down on their luck, like, in congruence with the city no longer being affluent. So this is once again returning to the, to the Great Recession in Japan. So, I don't know, this seems almost like a David Lynch piece, where it's like this, like, rot that is underneath the entire city. <laughs> that just makes it it's a generally a wholesome movie but it generally like feels a little bit icky <laughs> yeah <laughs> thing that only helps it it's that it's like having cheese and jelly together it's the things that shouldn't go together but does it's the city is so gross that the wholesome moments stick out that much more to me the Movie is pretty much homeless people fighting with a crying baby. That's that's the entire movie. It's just noise, 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 yeah. and and yet people keep having these wholesome moments. Everyone's being reunited with long lost parents. The entire theme is being reunited with parents. Somehow, the city for this Christmas reunited everyone with any everybody they're having trouble with, and that's kind of cool. It's I feel like he wanted to make a very real movie, but decided to animate it for like just for stylistic reasons. But this is pretty much a very real Hallmark movie. I'm not sure that the city, at least to me, really adds a lot here. Uh, because I think if you could, you could have the setting in it. 
t even in a town, right? Other than having a bigger homeless problem. The stories are so self-contained, the city itself doesn't really seem to play an overall factor. We don't really have a sense for what the, set, the city is in and of itself. I think you get a little bit of a sense of, like, the city rotting way just because, one, pretty much absolutely everywhere they walk, there's just piles of trash everywhere. When th this photo that they're using for reference for... Um, for the baby's family, or at least what they think is the baby's family, they go to the house and it's completely, like, gone. It's just crumbled and it's rot. Um, it's that sort of thing where I get that sort of reading. It's the equivalent to he goes to the one dude's house and it's just full of garbage. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it is very very literal trashy city. Yeah, I guess where I see that offset, though, is when we see the people that are, you know, kind of the stronger points in the series, it seems to be very much countermanded to that. So, you know, when they go to the, uh, I forget the name of the club, or when oh, you see the scenes on, like, on the train and things like that, it seems almost dichotomic where there's very dirty and there's very clean without a lot of gray area. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, the, when something's clean, it's shiny, it's pristine, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. And the dirty, ugly parts, they're very, they're hard to look at. And I feel like that shows in the plot as well. That's the entire movie. It's things that are hard to look at, producing things that are beautiful, and just living kind of harmoniously together. On the, on the club side, yes, the club is incredibly clean, but it's also a mafia club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's pretty, but it's gross. That's the whole movie. Pretty, but gross. I mean, really, well, the only... If you gotta remember, think... though, organized crime in Japan is very different than organized crime in a lot of other countries. We're skipping over one particularly casual scene, the whole homeless beating thing. <laughs> That's this more casual ugliness. And it's the dudes on his cell phone just planning stuff, and they're just beating the crab out of these guys. And they just wander off into the night. Apparently, that's a very common thing in Japan. When you see that type of scene recreated in, in a lot of other anime, so, um, like, Ino Noshiki has a very similar thing, where the youths beat up on the homeless old people. I've always wondered where that comes from. I mean, there have been documented cases where that's happened, but, I mean, it's... To say it's a regular occurrence, I don't know if I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd I'll be optimistic and say that I would like to believe that's not a regular occurrence, but it, there have been documented cases where people beat up on homeless people. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's just, I think, at least of the media I've seen, which granted, some of you have seen much more than I have, that only seems to have come up as a repeating theme in Japanese media I've seen. I've never really seen that come up much, except for on rare occasions in any Western media. Yeah, the whole movie seems to have this air of disrespect towards the homeless. Like, it came out of every single person's mouth every time they referred to them, and it's, it was kind of rough seeing things from their perspective. Being animated actually softened it up. If this was just a movie about three homeless people and we had to see what they had to deal with on a regular basis, this would be even harder to watch. It's, being animated is the one saving grace of all this brutality. That is actually what Robert Roger Ebert mentioned in his review of this. He gave it three out of, uh, three out of four stars and he attributed it in the same way to... Uh, Grave of the Fireflies. He actually mentions Grave of the Fireflies in his review of Tokyo Godfathers in similar lights. He says that this movie's not quite getting to that point, but 
he still enjoyed it for what it did. It's a very good comparison because I was thinking about that throughout the entire movie, even with like the rotoscope, very realistic baby face, in that you can't get these performances out of real babies. You can't get it out of a real animal like the cats in the cat scene. So mm-hmm. animated, this just totally works out. He was able to manipulate all of this exactly the way he wanted, and that's really cool. It just also made things even sadder. I, I will pose this question to Joey, because, Joey, you asked this question in the previous episode on, is this a Christmas movie like Die Hard is a Christmas movie, or <laughs> is this a Christmas movie? So, have you fallen on a certain path on that question? Because I say that this is a Christmas movie. You get the New Year's vibe. I get the Christmas vibe, and based on the review of, like, when you take that the name that they named the baby is from the literal translation of Silent Night, I guess it's kind of hard to say it's not a Christmas movie when that is what they named the, the, this innocent child after. And when you tell a little translation of like, these are the three wise men trekking their way to, to find this. I mean, in this case, find the mother instead of finding the baby. But yes, I would say this is a Christmas movie, definitely more so than Die Hard, whereas Die Hard, it's really just the setting. Although there's definitely a bit of New Year's in it. It's finding what I got more out of this was Satoshi Kon. We learned from Perfect Blue is very pessimistic. And I what I think it was more or less saying is like, I mean, this world is just full of pessimism. The world just wants to step on you. The only thing that will make me more optimistic is when a literal miracle happens, like the the gust of wind that you see happen at the end. I do think you see him kind of drop that a little bit though if you watch more of filmography so like perfect blue was in 1997 right tokyo's godfathers was in 2003 and then his last one i believe that was fully created was paprika which was 2006 and this is all when he leading up to when he died of course in 2010 i think at least i i don't i have anything to back this up than personal feeling but it's always felt to me like as he got closer to the end, he was trying to be more optimistic, and you saw that kind of progression in, in his work. He, he was much less jaded than he was when he created Perfect Blue. That already took the criticism to heart. It could be both. Like I feel like Perfect Blue did receive a lot of criticism for its for its dark dark subject matter. But yeah. I mean, mostly, I mean, there's some like optimistic points in this. Like even throughout, like, hey, you know, the daughter when she meets uh, her father, I think Han. It, uh, what's the 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 homeless man's name? The one with Gein. the daughter, Gein. So when I mean she meets him, she doesn't hate him. In fact, she's very she's somewhat happy to see him. <laughs> Anna, uh, when she sees the place where she used to work, they welcome her in with opening arms, with open arms. And even um, Mitsuki, the daughter, her her dad doesn't. I mean, wants to see her. I, we, we know from the phone call and based on the expression at the end. So there, you're right, Andy. I mean, there is a level of optimism there, definitely more so than we get from Perfect Blue. No, and there's even a level of optimism in ugliness. The assassin's home is like one of the best put together homes that's shown in the entire thing. Just yeah, and the, and the Yakuza boss was super welcoming. Like, hey, come on into my daughter's wedding. You saved me from this completely random event. That's true. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. The homeless people and all the people that are you know, don't expect to be, they're, they're very rough around the edges, but they're nice where it counts. And then you have these people who are very cordial to your face, and then they turn out to be jerks. And I think that kind of gets at what I think, at least for me, the true thesis of this movie is. It's 
almost a way of saying the people that have understood loss the most are those prepared to give kindness. Yeah. And that that is the reason to me this is a Christmas movie is because I think that's a very powerful message, you know, to keep in mind is that we only understand our own perspective, but putting ourselves in the perspective of others and seeing the strength they can show even when they've been treated much more poorly than you have, you know, it's it's powerful. Well, not just that, they acknowledge their own shortcomings. So they know what they have to overcome in order to fulfill this quest, so to speak, at the end. Which mm-hmm. makes them wiser, therefore three wise men. <laughs> First off, one of them is a girl. Wise men in title. Well, wise two of them. Folk. Wise people. Yeah. Three wise folk delivering a baby and miracles. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess going back to Tina here, um, what do you think of the three main characters? Because watching this with a with a modern lens, you can see Gein especially only misgendering Hana and doing it constantly. Yeah. And I have seen I've seen criticism that basically say this is about found family and Gein may be set in his ways, but it's more like a bickering married couple than it is like out of absolute malice. Yeah. Is that your reading of this, or do you see now with a modern lens that maybe if this was, say, made today, that that should be softened a bit? No, I can see what they're, where they're coming from about the old married couple, because um, even though Gein is pretty insufferable, all of them are pretty insufferable, to be honest. Um, Hannah coming back to him after... You know, Gein being gone for a little while and her just like sobbing hysterically, just so sad that she, um, that she missed him. And even though she acted like she didn't care, it, it just it gives me very much like old married couple vibes of like, oh, I can't stand you. But then they're gone for a while and they're like, oh, I miss you so much. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I obviously misgendering is never a good thing, but I think it's just kind of part of his character. Of just being this old set in his ways man that lost everything and can't be bothered to change until the, I guess, the very end. Do you think there's also maybe some of the uh, purposely holding on to that, holding on to the rejection out of fear of getting close to another person? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So the thing, I guess, before we just get into scores here, this will be a quick one. Um, because it's a ninety-minute movie. There's honestly not much to. There, there's not much really happened. It's like it ended up having a pretty happy ending, but it was not yeah. much happened between. It's like they found a baby, and they want to keep the baby. Then they thought they found the parents, and they didn't find the parents, and then they found the parents, and now they're, yeah, <laughs> and now everything's all well with the world, and lots of religious undertones. Yeah. And I will I will say this. There is a difference between a movie that is designated as a comedy and a movie that is funny. Sometimes the Venn diagram meets in between the two, and other times it does not. Wes Anderson movies, for instance, are comedies, but I would not say that any Wes Anderson movie is funny. No. <laughs> it's it's the comedy in like an ironic sense of comedy. There was like a chuckle, I think maybe once in this movie. Maybe it might have just been a huff of air. <laughs> you know, one of those like, huh, 
kind of a, a moment, but it wasn't, I wouldn't well, consider it funny. Well, there was that one moment where the old guy was dying, and Jin tried to close his eyes, and then it just opened up even wider. That yeah. caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there was another one that I kind of huffed at, but I don't remember what it was. It was the time where Gein thinks that he's dying, and the he thinks he he's it turns out to be one of the people at the um at the drag bars that uh is nearby, but they're dressed as an angel and he sees them as an angel. And it's like oh, do you, <laughs> do you yeah, want to right. be taken by ambulance or by magic? And he says ambulance. How rude. That, <laughs> I think that was like the only like truly I guess I would call funny moment in the whole movie. So I was like, huh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that was the only real, like, time it didn't take itself super seriously. I think this whole movie took itself a little bit too seriously. I, here's a scary thing. I feel like all the comedy was supposed to come from, from, from Hana. And mm-hmm. once you take that away, which is just offensive, then yeah. It, it, yeah. You take away all the, it's not a comedy anymore. All the comedy came from someone just dressing in drag, and that's just a very normal thing. So. Right, and and the the distorted facial features when Hana reams out the one person. I think it was did you did she ream out Gein? Yeah, was it when, yeah. So like the really exaggerated facial features. So she was supposed to be like the I think Marlon's right. Like she was the the focal point of the quote unquote comedy. And it's like, ha! Huh, look at this person who's you know transgender, and I don't know. Like it was so funny that. He, this person dresses as a woman or something like that. Something kind of offensive. Trying to like pad yeah. around it to not be offensive. <laughs> yeah. You can't make that the comedic crux of your movie because yeah. time is not going to be nice to you. No, it, 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 did, it did not age well. And it was very much like to not be, to be the least offensive possible. I couldn't tell if Hana was supposed to be transgender or just dresses as a woman and, like, I think she's supposed to be transgender, but I don't know if they played it correctly. So I Does think that make this sense? is trying to be a little bit of social commentary. Um, yeah. So Japan, I, I only know this uh, because I actually uh, I've worked with a few Japanese businessmen that have given me some kind of details on it. But yeah, um, Japan has a history of not really recognizing transgender people, or at least during this time period they did. Right. I don't know what their yeah. current state is. Um but it was also a very normal thing in society. So it was this weird thing where it was not only normalized and accepted, uh, but legally it wasn't. Okay. If that makes sense. Like they would, they had bars, they call them new half bars and new okay. half bars were literally transgender bars, but they're super popular even with non-transgender or non-sexually divergent individuals. And I don't mean sexually divergent in a bad way. I don't yeah, just have a good term for that. Yeah. Uh, but in, to the point where there's some of them that are actually very famous and you have to book weeks in advance just to go see the shows. Mm-hmm. So socially accepted, but not government accepted. But that kind of makes sense because they, when they had that scene with Hana um, in the club and they like flash back to her singing in the club, that kind of, now that you say that, it makes sense that they're, they're probably commenting on those kinds of clubs. I'm yeah, guessing. So- it's kind of like a drag bar, but not mm-hmm. quite a drag bar. I don't know. I don't know if it's different than a drag bar in the way they're trying to portray it. It's a drag bar and also a home. The way Hana refers yeah. to the leader as mutter. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like everyone lives there. A drag bar, you know, everyone, you, they go home and they take their costumes off. It feels right. like everyone lives in this establishment. Yeah. It's very much like a, not only a place of employment, but a place of 
like the place where they can feel accepted and and be home and might quite literally live there. Like a, a place of togetherness in of what looks like a very very ugly world according to this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It looks terrible. Makes yeah, sense. Jo- yeah, Joey. Did you find this movie funny? Since we haven't really heard from you. I mean, there was the yeah when Jin is saved in the alley. That that how rude line was a little was a little funny, and then the homeless guy like wanting wanting the one drink before he dies. But I mean, outside I didn't laugh. No, not yeah. Really. Parts where I was like, ha 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 ha. I'm just, just kind of watching and following along. Yep. Although I take that back. It was funny to hear the Yakuza's boss, like how he got ran over by his own car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I just jacked up and looked under my car and then some random thing, and all of a sudden the car was on top of me. I'm like, yeah, that's random, but a little bit funny. <laughs> very, very unbelievable, but it's funny. It's more or less funny. Probably from a sad storytelling perspective for me, more than the actual like situation itself from the movie. But yeah, there's also the joke that I laughed at that Tina didn't, which is when he's talking to them in the car and does a full 180 to talk to him, and you just see a truck getting closer and closer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) watch the road. (laughs) Yeah, you found that funny. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a bit we've seen before. Yeah, exactly. Well, Conan in general also just has a very, very dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Between Perfect Blue and, and this, with the Hana humor and everything, I'm starting to get a pretty good picture of this guy's sense of humor. Yeah. I don't I mean, think it's- what, sense, what I will give credit to is the ending, where it makes sense that Hana is the one that saves the baby at the end. Mm-hmm. Because all of them have something to be basically redeemed for. Miyuki has to has to um, has to seek forgiveness from her parents, but she's like seeking the baby, knowing that like you know this baby deserves to be back with her family. Mm-hmm. Then I mean, Jin bringing back the the either the ex husband or the the estranged husband because he sees himself in that husband. So so that husband is shouting forgiveness to this suicidal woman who who kidnapped the baby in the first place. But Hana like really doesn't have as much to be redeemed for. Well, I disagree. She feels she can never be a mother, but then she's the one that saves the baby. I think that's I think that was very appropriate. I was gonna say I think that is exactly the arc though, because I mean that's set up almost immediately in the beginning of I was cursed with the body I have, not who I feel that I am, and I'll never know what it's like to be a real mother. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she's probably the Hannah's probably the most matronly figure in the entire movie that and there's the whole embarrassment she suffered at the club so she had to like make a public showing to redeem herself this i felt like was the thing everybody saw what she did she they saw the sacrifice she made and this it has to redeem that whole beatdown in the club that she had yeah i can see that one thing like with the i forget the teenager's name like did anybody think she got a redemption arc or was she just like I thought she was just insufferable. She, I mean, she gets the arc at the end because she realizes that, you know, this baby is where, I mean, she, she's the one that initially catches the mother off the roof. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's so nervous that she wants to go home and you figure out, I mean, like, no, I mean, it wasn't like some sad story that why she ran away from home. She ran away yeah. from home because she, she lost her temper being, you know, a little kid on her parents. Yeah. But, in the end, you still see 
see her, I mean, she tries to make the call, trying to seek forgiveness then, but doesn't have the strength to do it yet. So we assume then at the end, that's what they end with. Yeah. That's fair. And she got reunited with her father. Well, she's also the only character that's really shown in her age group. It's almost like she's kind of like, you know, a a visual stand-in for that generation gap. Of just understand the mistakes of people that have come before, understand the complexity of life before you make the same mistakes yourself. I don't it's think there's what? another teenager in the whole movie. Other than the kids that beat up the homeless guy, but that doesn't really count. No, yeah. that definitely doesn't count. Yeah, so that is Tokyo Godfathers. A, in my opinion, a Christmas-ass Christmas movie. Yeah. It is Christmassy. <laughs> it's, it's very it's a wonderful life. Like I can't, I can't say it's not Christmassy because it's just like, Focused all around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it is Christmassy. Yeah, 24 hours of Tokyo Godfathers is all I'm saying. Oh, Pick God, that up, no. TBS. No. <laughs> a lot of crying baby, man. <laughs> no one needs that. Exactly. There's three bums fighting. <laughs> I could go to the yeah, subway for like, that. And it's like 45 minutes of a baby crying. So, no thanks. <laughs> so, Marlon, what is the score that you would give Tokyo Godfathers out of? 10 no half measures. Oh, starting with me going high. (laughs) Going high with this. This is this would take repeated viewings, but for now it's an eight because this is a very solid Christmas movie, complete with the morality tale and the heartwarming miracle. This is something I could see right there of Christmas Carol and and it's a wonderful life. Just playing back to back, it's just something you just want to see something nice happen. Here's all these awful people. Oh, but a nice thing happened. It's it's very Christmassy. With you saying that this belongs in the same vein as uh, Christmas Carol, the only thing I could think of is Muppets Tokyo Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't tell me that wouldn't work. Right. Another golden idea you should cut from this before someone steals it. <laughs> <laughs> Muppets yeah. of a very real baby. Yeah, Andy, uh, what do you give to this? Uh, since obviously we both have seen... Basically all of Satoshi Kon's works. Yeah, I, I give this one an 8, and the reason being is that in terms of story structure and narrative, I think it is a little bit weaker. That would be a 6. But I still feel like it, it does a very good job of delivering the emotional impact it's going for. Um, you know, since I first saw this movie in, what, 2004, I think? I've watched it every year for Christmas since then. It's one of the few Blu-rays I own. It's actually the only one I own multiple of because I've bought it three separate times now for different director commentary and special features to understand this one better. And any movie that keeps me coming back like that, especially when I'm not really a media consumer, I have to rate it pretty high. Okay. Yeah, and I'll I'll jump on the eight train here. Eight seems like a good number. More than a seven. Because I was kind of between seven and eight. Can't do half measures, so I can I can give this an eight. It's not... Satoshi Kon's best movie, uh, I would still probably give that to Perfect Blue. There's even a Perfect Blue cameo in Tokyo Godfathers. Yeah. It's there's a poster for it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but aside from that, uh, his, his best work by far is Paranoia Agent because that's but that's an actual series and that we'll probably get into in a much later time. Woo-hoo. So. Now we've all been positive on this with eights. So, <laughs> Tina, what do you give Tokyo Godfathers? You're going to make me the bad guy. I'm going to make Joey the bad guy, too, so don't uh, worry about it. 
Um, I know you don't want to do half measures, but I want to give it like a six and a half. So I guess I'll give it a seven. If it had less crying babies, I'd probably give it a higher score. Or if you made me watch it when I wasn't completely exhausted and want to go to sleep, I'd probably give it a higher score. But I just, I, I just, it was okay. It was like thoroughly okay of a movie. Okay. Now, Joey, so you are in a different situation here. Because Tokyo Godfathers is going to be at Alamo Drafthouse on the 23rd. Oh, God. So, not only do you get to score this, you get to say whether or not you want to see this again on a big screen. I don't need to see it on a big screen. Because I don't think this is the movie that really needs a big screen. I mean, if you want to, I'll go with you, brother. The um, As for score, I give it a 7. But... And this is where I will probably get a little controversial. I think this movie would have been better served as live action as opposed to a lot of other movies we reviewed. And there's a couple of reasons why. I think I think the emotional weight would have stuck a lot harder in live action than in this, especially a newborn baby crying. There's a it's a different sound effect. A newborn baby crying is is very tough to like it's something that you can't help but gravitate to. The sound effect they used for that baby crying was just basically meant to be annoying. It's a different sound altogether. Yeah. Baby crying dot wave. That's not, <laughs> that's not what a newborn baby sounds like. A, a newborn yeah. baby, it's, it's a little more of a heartwarming thing. And so it's tough for me to... Uh, but I think with live action, a lot of these points would stick harder. And I, I think also when... You're sticking so hard to the animation, you know, you're looking at how they animate Hana right in the beginning and how they animate Jin or animate every like the dropping of blood. I think that I think that would stick a lot harder in live action. Mm-hmm. It would cost more than two point three million dollars, which is what this movie's budget was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, end, only the gust of wind scene at the end. You can barely make a movie for less than $5 million in live action. Especially if you need to close down roads. Which this would probably have you doing. Because you're not going to do this movie green screen. Unless you do the gorilla, gorilla production. <laughs> I was going to say, you could always Blair Witch it. Blair Witch in the, in, in the streets of Tokyo. And hope to God you just don't like get stuck in a big mass of people. <laughs> no, because yeah. then then you get racked upon by the city for filming without uh, uh, proper license. We don't know what the license law are, laws are in Japan. Considering the lack of a lot of live action media that happens, I'd imagine that it's a lot. Because you you think of how much it costs to film in New York. Or something like that, and I'd imagine that Tokyo is just as much because yeah, very v- both very dense cities. All I know is the, you know they have like a solid chunk of the uh, first episode of uh, um oh what's that uh, the Japanese one something in Wonderland uh, Adventures in Wonderland No 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 it's the live action J- Japan one they it's like one of those dramas they did like Sweet Home I don't know. I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name right now. Yeah, I just, I'm just i trying to remember the name of it, but basically the idea is 
these high school kids skip out on class and get sucked in uh, Alice in Borderland. That's what it's called. There Alice in Borderland. Uh, oh, never mind. Uh, well, it is set in Japan. Uh, however, apparently they didn't actually use the famous intersection. It was cheaper to build it. Ah. Uh. So I'm going to go with Tony's 100% right here. Yep. Oh, no, it it is a Japanese series, but yeah, it's but yeah, it's probably very very expensive to film in actual Japan. They built <laughs> in, a, a 60, in actual Tokyo. They built a 6600 square meter replica of the intersection instead of filming there. It's for to rebuild it. My god, Japan, that's excessive. Yeah. So anyway, we need to talk about what we are doing next month. Uh, and I hemmed and hawed about various things. Sorry, Andy, we are not watching Pompoko. Just, even though that would that would fit in with, like, two vaguely political works between this and that. But I think that, especially since Akira is in two months, we need to kind of lean in to the cyberpunk and best thing to do that is by watching the original ghost in the shell movie not the one starring scarlett johansson the absolutely original original anime ghost in the shell and do that thing next month ghost in the shell we can all be excited i am not going to say my opinion on it because that would make the movie seem slightly worse. Yay. Well, I've seen it a bajillion times and I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> Joey, are you excited for Ghost in the Shell? Are you going to watch the Scarlett Johansson one to get prepared for this? No, because I remember the trailer for the Scarlett Johansson one and it was not interesting. So I'm going to just... I'll wa- I will watch the animated one and call it good. Well, this one uh, I do actually have on Blu-ray, so I can just run it over to you. I think I'll take one for the team and watch a new Scarlett Johansson. It, it must be done. She's not nude in it. Curses. No. I don't know. Why am I watching it? <laughs> it is such a bad movie, Marlon. The best way I can put it was, I was in China for three months when I finally saw this. There's only one channel we get that has English, and it only shows three movies a day on repeat. I was there for three months, and oh, I still couldn't finish that movie. Fair. I don't feel so bad for falling asleep for it the first time, Dan. God, it is garbage. So, that's it. Next, mo- hey, next month will be Ghost in the Show. The month after will be Akira. I have four volumes of comic to read before that. Oh, yay. Wow. So, Enjoy. Because I need to read Akira before I see Akira, because I don't think Akira is good. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. It was my first anime. It was a lot of people's first anime. That's a dense one to start with. Mine was Vampire Hunter D. Well, it's because we got a free, when I was like five, we got a free uh, HBO weekend and my parents didn't know. But anyway, that is an anime splaining for December. December 1st, so in... 23 days have yourselves some good holidays have some ham have some garlic bread just just various christmas things who has garlic bread on christmas i i want some garlic bread is basically what i'm saying yeah 
<laughs> Grabbing ham tomorrow. All, all, all holidays are good for garlic bread. Make a lasagna for Christmas. Christmas lasagna. 